and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Cheers, my friends. I'm not sure if anyone has a drink. Oh, we got a ginger beer. We got a LaCroix. Uh, we have someone looking aimlessly for something. And a coffee or wine? I don't know what's in there. It could be anything. It's so ambiguous. I love it. So I am sitting here today with four-fourths. This is the whole gang, correct? Four-fourths of Pittsburgh's finest, take me with you. Make some noise for the internet. Everyone's happy that you're here. I'm happy that you're here. How's it going, everyone? How are we hanging in there? Surviving. Great. That's all we can do. I asked you before we started recording about how you've all been holding up in the quarantine and you said that you haven't seen each other in person since this all went down really well we actually live in the same house okay we're, we're like you know see podcasting from separate rooms sorry for the trouble <laughs> but we, we just don't hang out with each other so <laughs> it's been it's been a few months okay so how has it been you know, just fighting the urge to just practice and work on stuff and get the ball rolling on these things. Do you think you're going to get together soon? You know, I feel like it's been a little bit different for everybody that I know. You know, where are you all at right now with this? Well, we've been doing a lot of work on stuff that's been really cool. We've been recording from home. We've been working on a video, which we've never done before. We've been kind of, I think, thinking in a different way about promotion. And so in a way, it's it's given us, I think, the opportunity to kind of try different things or concentrate on different things. Because normally when we get together, we just want to play. You sure. know, like we just have so much fun jamming and making music. And that's that's most of what we do. And every once in a while, we're like, all right, let's have a band meeting and like plan things. But for the most part, we just, you know, we love to play. So in a way, it's been like there's other stuff that we've been doing and it's been good. But I also, I don't know, I miss you guys. I miss playing together. So. <laughs> it's definitely been really cool to see friends that I have in the way that they're utilizing this time. Cause I do think a lot of people are utilizing it pretty productively, which is really awesome to see. And it's great knowing that, you know, you're taking that time to work on those little extracurricular things that maybe you may not have because, you know, being adults and bands, it's not the easiest thing in the world. You know, we have like 20 minutes a week to maybe get together and practice if we're lucky. So, you know, you're just like, we got to play these songs because we have a show next week and all your time goes to that. And they're not thinking about music videos or merch designs or album artwork or recording or, you know, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. First of all, we don't actually live together. I was joking. I but, uh, yeah, it's like, a, a it's like a totally different group than it was like a couple months ago. You know, we were, we amassed all these, like a whole album's worth of new songs. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, we were slowly going through them, uh, perfecting them or whatever. And now like we're doing a bunch of different things, like the video we're doing, like really working on one particular song that we're going to be releasing, uh, not getting ready for a show like we had been. (laughs) (laughs) Join the club. (laughs) Yeah. And and there are some, yeah, some people who actually do get together. Yeah. I think if, if all of a sudden we were able to play, it'd be like, oh, cool, we can play a show again. Like, wait a minute, we haven't practiced in like six months. Yeah. Compared to some other bands who, you know, they do get together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we're, we're still, we're still getting together. And, uh, well, I mean, I play in three bands and all three bands have been pretty active and, I'm still like working and still like a whole, honestly, a whole lot of my life hasn't really changed. So it's been like kind of hard for me to wrestle with the reality of what's going on because my world doesn't feel that different. Aside from the fact that I'm not spending my weekends at, you know, Brillo box and Cativo anymore. I'm just like hanging out at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I finally have a valid reason to avoid everyone and stay home. I'm Mm. pretty thankful for it. Hell yeah. So we should probably talk a bit more about specifically who, well, not who, because we know who Take Me With You is, but what is the band? Leslie, help us out here. Let the people know what it is that you do. How would you classify it? Um, I What I like about the band is I feel like it kind of lives between genres. It's kind of dream poppy. It's kind of synth poppy. It's kind of like got 80s influences. It's got modern influences. It's kind of a mixture of a lot of different things. And that's something I really like about it. Um, the, the band itself, I think we always equate it to kind of like something separate or like a little bit like bigger than ourselves when we're like writing songs. We always talk about how we feel like we're contributing to Take Me With You, which is almost like its own entity and not just like the four of us it's something like a little bit beyond us that we're contributing to um that i really like that take on things absolutely um, so you have an album that came out a year ago specifically to the date i was told if if this was another lie someone's going to be in trouble someone's getting coal in their stockings if they're lying to me about this but you put this out a year ago a building, a dreaming. It's on bandcamp.com, the website specifically, tmwy.bandcamp.com. And what can you tell me about this release? We worked on it pretty long and hard. Um, <laughs> it was actually all self produced, basically. Um, I got to give credit to Thomas, who did all the mixing and mastering on it uh, himself. We didn't go anywhere professional for that, but we recorded everything ourselves and did the mixing and mastering and uh, sourced a local artist for the cover work uh, to keep everything 100% Pittsburgh. The album cover is really cool. I'm actually looking at it right now and you can't see it, but people that are watching the podcast can see it on the screen. This is super, super cool. Who did this art? Uh, Art's by a woman named Laura Krasno. Nice. Um, yeah, we were we found her through oh no, I'm blanking on the name, the Pittsburgh Print Collective, I think it's called. We were looking for a, a local artist to do 
the art and we just sort of started you know paging through different people who were part of this group because I'd seen an exhibition that they did um, that the group did and I was like there's probably somebody here so we're looking at it all together and as soon as we got to her stuff we were just like that 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 this 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 Um, and we even kind of came to an agreement pretty quickly that this was you know this was an image that we all really liked and so we worked we approached her and she was cool with us using it and she liked the music and and she worked with us to kind of transform it into a an album cover and work on the lettering and all that and and it was just it was really exciting to work with her because i mean we're just such fans of her stuff that's great that's such a cool story you know there are a lot of people that will, you know, poo-poo and be all <laughs> when it comes to the local music scene. And sure, maybe if you want to be the next goddamn Taylor Swift, this ain't the town for you. But I feel like if you just want to be, you know, a successful underground DIY band, there's so many resources here from, you know, so many fun bands to play with, so many cool people to meet and artists that you can interact with, people to collaborate with. and it's a really, really great town that if you just go out and say hi to some people, you can, you know, you can make a lot of cool stuff happen without needing to, you know, source art offline from somebody that you never met. It's always fun to, whenever someone has that like personal connection to, you know, the artwork and the people that are in control of everything with the project. What is, what's been, you know, your experience so far now? I'm not too sure. I guess like, let's do this. Let's rewind. I don't have a rewind sound effect. I kind of wish I did. But (laughs) yeah, thank you for putting it in. So prior to a building a dreaming, Thomas, you recorded this album, right? That's what I heard. That's that's the rumor. So, (laughs) uh, you know, prior to this coming out, what was the history of the band? How long had you been playing before putting this out? Was this like your first thing that you put out in, or was there like a bigger backstory behind the band? So Elizabeth, Jesse and I started in 2016. Uh, not, we hadn't, you know, we weren't playing out. We're just like in a basement writing songs for a long time. Uh, 2017, we put out one song, Take, was called Take Me With You. We were like, we called ourselves Take Me With You after our song because we were looking for, we, we wanted to do this like 80s influenced kind of synth thing, you know? Yeah. And we thought, well, we need to, I think we need keyboard players. Well, that's what we all say. Said, you know, it's a you, good start. <laughs> and I, yeah. It, we had, Jesse was playing bass guitar, Elizabeth singing, I was playing drums. So, we a lot of, we went went through a lot of keyboard players. Uh, I mean, I would write some songs on the keyboard, like that first song we put out uh, was me doing the synths, but I, I wasn't going to do that live. Like her whole idea was we wanted to do like synth pop, but as a live band, uh, like everything is going to be live. Like yeah. I'm playing electronic drum set. Uh, Originally, we were going to say, you know, we won't mess around with uh, backing tracks or, or so we'll, as if people, we, I thought people might really care about that. <laughs> it turns out people don't really care Not anymore. In which is fine. <laughs> there's, it's, there's more rock bands on the X that don't have guitars than ever before in my life. It's so weird. The world's changing. I feel old. <laughs> I don't know how I've gone from, uh, Get all these, get all these, uh, 
you know, like this thing where I was always like, you know, I think it would be really cool if people experimented more with electronics and rock music to now where I'm like, get the fucking keyboards out of here. I'm tired of it. Now I love, I, I love this shit, but I'm just, you know, at sometimes it's like, if I want to hear a rock song, I want to hear a rock song, but I think that I'm just like, I don't know. I, I I'm turning 30. How old am I? I'm 35. So I feel like I'm getting into my stages where it's okay to start being a curmudgeon. So I'm just going to kind of embrace it, but be self-aware because I don't want to <laughs> be unaware that I'm being a curmudgeon because then uh, nobody will want to be around me. You know, just, uh, you know, none of us are getting any younger as, as, as we all probably are well aware, you know, life, it happens. So, this ma that makes me that makes me think of the Bjorden song. <laughs> I'll never be younger. Shout outs, shout outs to Bjorden. So, what I was gonna say is that you know, we're all adults here. We're all responsible individuals. I think I'm just kind of meeting you all for the first time, but I'm assuming we're all responsible individuals here. So, when it comes to playing in a band making music at this point in time in our lives now, you know, what drives you all to still do this? Because there's so much other stuff that we could be doing, especially now, you know, with the lockdown, it's like putting time and energy into this thing. Obviously it must be important to all of you. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been doing music my whole life. I've never, since I was, as soon as I could find myself a band, I've been in a band and it's just always been this like vital part of my life and songwriting especially for me just helps me figure stuff out like it helps me kind of work stuff through like even if we're just improvising and I'm just making all these weird like noises eventually <laughs> 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 they become words like I don't know I realize things about what I was feeling or thinking that I didn't even know before I'd kind of gone through it in that way you know so I can't imagine not doing that, I think I would become very confused. And, and I love doing it with other people. You know, it's, it's just so much more, it feels so much more alive and kind of to what Leslie was saying, you know, to be part of something that's bigger than yourself, to be able to do something that's so personal, yeah. and yet is also more than you. So, Leslie, how did you wind up with all these crazy, these crazy yeah. people? So, you know, I was actually at Garfield night markets one day, like three years ago in like April. And I was at Bantha tea house. I remember and I just like looked at the billboard and like the Bolton board. And I just saw like keyboardist wanted on this sign. And um, so my background is that I actually have a music ed degree from Duquesne and I teach, um, I teach music and like some other things at a school called Nazareth prep. It's a private urban school in Emsworth. It's a really cool place. Um, but going through that, you know, kind of being more classically trained on the piano, um, kind of, I always felt like, like, Oh, I can't, I don't know how to like be in like a cool band. Like all I know is how to play like in an orchestra or like in a, you know, sure. ensemble marching sure. band in high school or whatever. So, um, I was at that point, I had started playing in a polka band that one of my friends had started and I was in that for a while. It's called unnecessary polka. Um, 
and I'm not in that band anymore, but I, it's a, it was a lot of fun, but that was my first experience being in a band that like, you know, wasn't like a school band. And I was at the point where I was like, Oh, I really want to challenge myself. Like I want to learn like what it means to be in a band. I want to like create my own music and see what that's like with people. And it always seems sort of out of reach, but you know, for whatever reason, you know, I was with my friend at the time and they encouraged me to like check this out and send an email. And so I emailed and I guess Thomas, you probably wrote me back. And, um, I had no idea what I was doing. I had like a giant Yamaha, like, keyboard with like internal speakers that I just like brought to the practice space one day, like no synthesizer, like nothing. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And and um, you're, you're like, you're running the synth now in the band. Yeah. Yeah. So, I ended up getting one on e Like I just like got one on eBay, like innovation, um, ultra Nova, which may or may like knowing more about like the band and the genre now may or may not have been like the best choice, but we've like worked with it. And then I've gotten into like, running like soft synths and using MIDI keyboards. Um, I still have so much to learn. Like, honestly, I feel like you guys, the rest of the band knows more about synthesizers than I still do, but like, you got it. It's just been so cool. My suggestion to you would be for soft synths, the Mm -hmm. Yuhi Diva. It is so sick. All of your songs will probably sound like some faith songs, but that's okay because it's it's a really good synth. So what did you say it was again? Yuhi is the brand U dash H E Yuhi, and it's okay. called Diva. Okay, it is rad. It is a really really awesome soft synth. It has like a ton of like like all the like classic Prophet Juno sounds, a lot of Moog stuff. It's it's cool if you're doing like eighty stuff. That's um, a good tip because I'm always like. It's just so overwhelming still to me to like boil down like what's out there and the stuff that's actually usable. It's like so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, but you know, thankfully we have youtube.com the website where, you yeah. know, you can just type in, you know, best soft since 2020 and you can watch a bunch of dorks play, you know, <laughs> video game music at you for like 4 hours until you find something that sounds like, oh, that sounds cool. So yeah. I'm not trying to make this the Leslie hour, but I am really curious about one more thing regarding, you know, your place in this band. Since okay. you were classically trained, mm-hmm. did you find like trying to maybe strip back that classical training and playing more like simple synthesizer stuff? Maybe if you're doing like more monophonic stuff, is it like kind of weird trying to learn? Are you like, le- does it almost feel like you're learning how to play a different instrument, even though the keys are the same? Yeah, I would say um, I've I've learned a lot about how like kind of the placement of the lines and like it, it's more about the compositional elements and like how it all plays together with the rest of the band than it is about like my technical ability. Like my technical ability, like I feel like anyone that's taken piano lessons for like five years of their life, maybe less could probably like play anything that I play in the band, but it's more about the crafting of the sound in relation to everything else. That's really challenging to me and really cool. Totally. I think that it's always so fun to talk with people that have a background similar to yours. I don't know 
what your personal background is just with music in general, you know, prior to playing in this band, if you listen to a lot of different music or were you like one of those kids that kind of grew up? Cause I've met people that like just grew up like playing music because their parents played music and they never listened to music until they were like a teenager. And it's like, Whoa, like what was your story there? Um, I, I get what you're saying there. I never, I would say that, geez, in high school, this is almost like embarrassing, but I was like so into like pop punk and like going to like warp tour. Hey, that's fine. And, <laughs> and I've really branched out a lot since then. From, I feel like from warp tour to the polka band. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I listened to polka. I just like one of my friends, like, was getting a group together to play for something. He was like, Hey, can you play this? You want to join me for this? Here's the music or like, here's the set list. And it was literally all written in like Ukrainian, like characters and stuff. Cause it was originally for like Ukrainian church event or something. And then it kind of spiraled from there. And, and, um, but I don't know how to give you like a good answer to that. No, that was I, a, I explored a, a lot answer. more in my twenties than I did before. That's for sure. Well, okay. So, you grew up. You went to Warp yeah. Tour. You had friends. You liked embarrassing music. It's fine. Join the club. <laughs> it's all good. It seems like uh, what before you hopped in the chat, uh, I was talking with Jesse about the... I'm wearing a Daughters t-shirt right now, and he mentioned that he listened to them back in 2006. I'm like, yeah, I'm still wearing their t-shirt. I haven't grown up in a lot of ways. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious then, Jesse, you know, let's, let's, let's move on. Let's, now it's your turn. You're in the hot seat, my friend. So if you were listening to some, you know, wacky, spazzy, you know, loud, angry stuff, you know, 15 years ago, what was your trajectory? Are you still like, like what, like what got you into playing music? Let's go with that question. Well, first of all, I have to mention that I listened to a band that was literally named Spaz. Okay. <laughs> that was a that was one of my bigger eras of music. I went through a lot of different changes because I started out very young li listening to music. Um, my first albums were Metallica's Black Album and the Savage Garden album that had Truly Madly Deeply on it. Wow, that's some yin and, and yang, buddy. <laughs> and I listened to the Savage Garden album way more than the Metallica album. Okay, all right. So I consider myself pretty cool. Um, <laughs> then from there, it, it evolved through all sorts of different tastes, listening to like Nine Inch Nails and Eminem whenever I was like 12, and then getting into new metal, Slipknot and uh, Cold Chamber and Mushroom Head. How I was old really are you? That. I'm sorry? How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. All right. So you're a couple years younger than me. Cause it's just, I just feel like I'm like, like l talking to a mirror right now. It's really funny. <laughs> and then I went through a big punk phase, joined my first band whenever I was 16 in the local uh, high school crust punk band and went to power violence and like mathy grindcore uh -huh. along the lines uh -huh. of daughter and Psyopus and went through chaotic screamo like orchid and then i've decided to uh, become an adult and start playing music where people sang so then i came to this band sure so <laughs> the one thing that i i 
I always like talking about with people who have people, people, I can't talk, people who have a similar background to you is, you know, coming from that punk scene, hardcore, metal, like that, that era, you know, did you notice a, a shift in the people and like the environment and the feel of shows going from being at those things all the time to maybe playing with other bands that maybe, you know, like playing shows with Take Me With You? Does it feel different? Does, does the environment feel different or does it still just feel like people in a room? Um, there's definitely instances where our shows have a different vibe, especially when, um, the audience is mostly made up of my family who actually <laughs> want to listen to a band of mine for once. <laughs> uh, there is still the element of like a DIY local community music scene. Whenever we play our shows um, that I, that I've experienced ever since going to Roboto for the first time in 2006. Yeah. The faces are a little different. The clothing has changed and all that, but uh, <laughs> more or less the same appreciation yeah. for ha- building a community centered around music. Now you might not play any of that type of stuff anymore, but do you still indulge in any of the chaos or have you, is it completely behind you? I get a taste every once in a while. I was, uh, I brought up Discharge with my friends a week ago, and then I just went through and listened to all their albums. Nice. Just to relive my uh, my old DB crust punk days. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I listen to some uh, some power violence still, but mostly I'm listening to like goth, dark dance, and synth pop stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's always it's always fun to like you know, find out the stuff that people are getting into. I recently, uh, last week I had Clinton, the singer from the common heart on my show. And he was talking about how like all they listen to in the van is metal. (laughs) I was like, really? (laughs) Like like you're like the sole Kings and Queens of Pittsburgh. But I guess if they're on the road, they're like, yeah, we're going to listen to some heavy metal. I'm like, hell yeah. I fuck with it. It's great. I've had that too. Usually (laughs) I'm not listening to the kind of music that I'm playing at the time. When I, when I was in a punk band, I was listening to power violence, which isn't that much of a stretch, just a little faster and shorter. When I was in a power violence band, I was listening to screamo. When I was in screamo, I was listening to shoegaze. And now that I'm in a new wave synth pop band, I don't listen to any music now. <laughs> I'm complete. I've listened to everything. Fair enough. Well, you, you may be surprised. There's always some wacky stuff out there. So, <laughs> Thomas, my friend, what got you into doing this music thing? Well, back in the 80s, I studied the radio. Like, for (laughs) 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 that's what there was in the 80s there was the radio you're just like okay if you say so i (laughs) i'm just giving you a heck don't worry about me (laughs) and and i and i learned the drums back then so you know and i'd be so i already knew how to play you know when i'm listening to like genesis and uh rush or whatever i was listening to then uh then when I got into new wave, punk, hardcore, all that hit for me, like in 1988, 
I was a drummer in demand. So I was just like, went through all these bands that I was in. I was playing shows. So I've been like playing shows, recording off and on for the last 32 years. I like I've told Jesse that like you were one year old and I was already like playing blast beats in, in grindcore, like in two different bands that year. Uh, yeah, needless to say, he's much better at them than I am. <laughs> <laughs> he, Jesse played drums in, in bands, so that's what he... But, gotcha. Uh, so I was also coming from the like, hardcore, which was we also, you know, would do shows with death metal with like all together back then. And then uh, after the 90s, like the early 90s, I kind of retired, one of my many retirements. And I was just doing learning production so I can do dance music, you know, and I, I do DJing. So, you know, fast forward to when I looked into finding people to start this band, it was like, okay, let's, well, maybe bands or there's something going on with bands now. I can like see what's going on on the scene, use my, what I learned with production and DJing to kind of combine those things. And, you know, so we can do looking for something that's dance music that I can play drums to, and I can produce it. And everything I learned from like, listen to the radio, like pop songs and rock songs in the eighties. And what I learned from playing live through the hardcore days, you know, it's just like, it's at that point where it's like, I should have been doing that all along, you know? Well, uh, there was no one there to tell you like, yeah, you should do this. You know, just I, I'll tell you what, like, you know, I know not everybody in the chat has a background playing in, in grimy punk rock bands, but I do think that there's something about that background that I think maybe kind of helps shape you in some sort of a way you get a lot, you go through a lot more bullshit and, you know, you're playing faster, you're playing harder, you're building stamina. All of these things that you can carry into your life as you, you know, you take it easy and start to play some stuff that's maybe not as physically intense. But, you know, you've been through, you know, you've played some crazy stuff and now you can play what you play well. And, you know, you've probably played some shows in some frightening places and less than ideal situations. But now you could play an okay club and, you know, you worked for it. You made it here. You deserve this. Yeah. And there's also that feeling, you know, with Jesse and me in this band, you don't know what might happen, you know, because there's, there's all that history there. And it's like, someday this might just all come out. You know, you think you're just going to go see this synth pop, pop band playing and, you know, they just might start playing Black Sabbath. Sure. Sure. I think that you should always have the door open to any possibility, regardless of what type of music it is that you think you're making. You know, if you're in the space and you're jamming on something and it takes over, if the riff takes over, you just got to hop on that riff eagle and fly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when it comes to songwriting and i i am gonna get to you elizabeth we gotta i want to know more about you i'm gonna get to you but before we get there songwriting for this band do you write songs in like a traditional band sense but or is it more like a lot of pre-production stuff 
in terms of the way you write and compose songs, since there is so much of a dance electronic element. And since you're also, you know, doing a lot of the production and things like that, what's the writing process like? All of the above. Okay. Uh, mostly, <laughs> mostly everything we've done up to now has been the most inefficient way we can do it, but it's kind of personal too. So like a lot of things, like we have one of the songs that we have coming out, is it's totally improvised and we recorded it live. It, it was basically just a live recording we were made up on the spot. And it's like, this is, and I just threw some effects on it later. It's like, this is good as it is. But the other song, like we've been messing with it for like a year, you know, playing mm -hmm. it over and over again. But a lot of things we do to start off with jamming and recording it and then listening through the parts and uh, then like trying to make up parts for a song based on what we improvised. And then we come up with like good keyboard parts and then Jesse will steal those keyboard parts to play on his bass. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different ways things have happened so far, but you know, we have started and it's happened before where there's someone on the last album where, Liz would Elizabeth would just come with a whole song. It's like, here's a song I wrote, and we're like, cool, you know, and we'll come up with our own parts to go with it. That's awesome. So this is actually a perfect segue. Hooray! Into you, Elizabeth. What is your background? Where did you come from? What is going on? Why do you have such a cool B-52 poster on the wall? Let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean that that is my background. I mean, <laughs> When I was 12 years old, the B-52s were my universe. I mean, they were my tween obsession. Okay. And like, I, I saw you did, a, you did a little thing on Wild Planet. And that yeah. was like, yeah. that was my album. And this was in like, you know, 89, 90 when Cosmic Thing came out. So everybody was like, Love Shack and whatever. And that's fine. But like, I was sitting on top of my parents, like speaker and their stereo system, like listening to Bouncing Off the Satellites and just sure. like the the imagination and the the way that it was like dark but also like really hopeful and like funny but also kind of creepy and and just the 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 types of sound that they were making i just i i was totally in love with it i mean I, I grew up in a classical music family. My whole family are classical musicians. My mom is, my dad is, my older sister is. Uh, my uncles are in the classical music world too. So it's just been, I grew up around a lot of music. But I, you know, it's funny hearing people talk about, oh, I was went into this phase or this phase. Like, I feel like I've always just been into like electronic-y music with strong songwriting. I mean, I got my hands on a Howard Jones cassette when I was seven. I got a copy of Action Replay and I just listened to it till it wore out. Like I just, I super, super into it when I was like, you know, six or seven or something. So I just always was into that kind of music. And then when I got older, when I got into my teens, late teens, I started, you know, I, I got my hands on an acoustic guitar and I started, you know, songwriting and playing shows in coffee shops and stuff. And it was fun. Like, I like being able to, you know, sing my songs and tell my stories, but I really, it wasn't the kind of music that, that I was listening to. But I, I have always loved people like, you know, Amy Mann or Suzanne Vega or uh, Magnetic Fields were a huge influence on me, like bands that have that kind of 
almost folky songwriting, but also have like interesting stuff going on production wise. Yeah. So I'm curious about your background, having a classical family, you know, what did your family think of the (laughs) B-52s? They were very confused. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, while all that stuff is going on though, you're still like, you you mentioned that you were you know you brought up classically trained and you don't so you're still like getting you're still like doing the classical stuff you know being trained in those things but also like just listening to a bunch of post punk and new wave well it's funny like i never like growing up i was never a singer like i was the non-musical person in the family oh, okay. here i sang in the church choir like sure i i did stuff but i was always like the school nerd like that was my thing um like, you know, I, I, I did well in school. I was a big reader um, and a writer. And that was like, that was my thing. And it was different from what everybody else did. So it wasn't until I was like, I don't know, in my early 20s, probably that music started to become more something that that defined me or that I felt like was something that that I did for myself. So I was never like, I've actually had very little formal training it's something that i've started to pursue as i get older and and start to kind of figure out oh i i want this for all these different reasons but but i i I never i didn't do that much of it growing up that was always sort of what other people did gotcha gotcha so then i'm wondering you know how much of a role the people in your family that were you know so engrossed in this classical training you know like that's one thing and then you see the b-52s and you're like this is the complete opposite i love it just kind of like almost like a pseudo rebellion sort of thing, even though you're too young to think about it like that. I think a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I never, I never thought of myself as rebellious. I never particularly wanted to be, you know, my dad growing up was very, he was not into popular music. Um, you know, he thought it was a sort of a bad influence, I think on, on society generally. So I think he was not, <laughs> you know, not, not too happy about it, but I was just, <laughs> I don't know if I thought of it as a rebellion. I was just in love. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it, it totally makes sense. I think that, you know, there's like a certain innocence, I think, when you're a kid and you find something, whether it's, you know, maybe a song that is you like or maybe like something on TV you shouldn't watch. Like when I was a kid growing up watching Beavis and Butthead, my mom mm-hmm. did not like the fact that I was watching Beavis and Butthead. But to me, it like it's like, it's not bad. It's just a cartoon. Oh. You know, because I had this like, you know, this youthful sort of just ignorance to the fact that, you know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that they're, you know, lighting stuff on fire and, you know, talking about boobs and stuff. I'm like, I don't know, like, this is what everybody in my school does. Like, this doesn't really feel like it's super weird. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch it. You weren't allowed to watch Beavis and Butthead. Oh, man. Nah, <sighs> I still did, but I wasn't allowed to. Okay. Yeah. What What about South Park? That's that's also of the time. Same story. Yeah. <laughs> it was frowned upon, but you know, I found my way. Is yeah, as, as as most do. I wonder what it's like now for parents that are trying to keep their kids away from things. I feel like you just can't. It's probably impossible now, unless you don't give your kid a cell phone or a tablet or something. There's there, there's way too much <laughs> connectivity to everything right now. So, you don't even know what there is to keep them away from because it's like you don't know what they're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's scary. We're not going to go there. But on the terms of the internet and social media and, you know, being adults that have plenty of other things to do besides playing in bands, but we're still making time for this. How has social media treated you all as musicians? Do you find that it is a, a useful tool? Do you find that it is an annoyance or do you think that it's a, a mixture of the both? Leslie. Oh, um, <laughs> so the thing that popped into my head, and this isn't exactly social media, it's more promotional based, but when we were talking about promotional stuff recently, I was like kind of shocked to find out that people just like, you just go on the internet and find people just pay to just listen to your songs, not even do anything about it, but just like listen to the songs so you get like more listens on like, oh, yeah. whatever. I'm like, that's so unfair. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense, but it just has really changed the industry a lot. Yeah, no, that's the thing that like really, pardon my French, but this boils my piss. Whenever there are people that, you know, be like, oh, you know, uh, X pop star put out a new song and it already has 25 million YouTube views. I'm like, their label probably paid for three fourths of those because it's all part of the pro like the promotion budget goes into that now. It's just like because if people see that this video has like twenty five million views, there's going to be people that are like, "Wow, this has a lot of views, so I'm going to watch it." Or why is everybody watching this? It kind of like instills this uh, manufactured sense of FOMO, the fear of missing out, and uh, it, it's it's like ugh. It's gross. It is the worst. That's probably my least favorite thing about music right now in terms of promotion because there's no way of knowing like who is actually doing good and who's not. There's no like proper scale for things, even when it comes to album sales. So many artists now they do like these bundle deals where like you buy a ticket to their concert and you get a digital download code that counts as an album sale for them, which I guess is nice. You I mean, if I'm buying tickets to a show, I guess I want to support the artist, but I probably already own the album. And they're just like doing all these little things to rig the system to get like more album sales or more YouTube views or ugh, just why do the numbers matter? I just wish like if I could change anything about social media, I would take away likes and follower counts. So there was no numbers attached to it, you know, that were publicly visible. I feel like it would make everybody a lot more sane and grounded. Then again, that feeling when like a musician that you like, like, like something that you did. Oh, that's the juice. That's been, that's happened to us a couple of times. Sure. That's been great. Sure. No, I think it's great because you have this pipeline that is a direct, you know, line of communication between you and maybe somebody that you really look up to. And I think that's fantastic. That's great. If there's an artist that I look up to that is just like, oh, well, I'm bored one day. I'm going to go through my band's hashtag and I'm going to like photos or maybe comment on some of them. I think that's super wholesome and very refreshing. But if somebody's just kind of like, I put out this new song and I better throw 25 grand at Google so they can make sure that it says it has X number of plays on release day. I'm just kind of like, go fuck yourself. All the things that you could have done with that money. And a lot of the time too, oh, I'm going to go off. I'm sorry. But all these 
<laughs> all these MFers that'll be like, oh, you know, you should be supporting this cause and doing this and that, that you also know full well are pumping a ton of money into just getting these manufactured numbers. I'm just like, ah, I want to scream. That's like this like DIY part of me going back to that. It's like, do you know what I could do with 25 grand? And you're spending it on fake numbers on a Google website? <sighs> that DIY dedication to authenticity will, will stick with you forever. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to definitely kick us in the ass, too, because, you know, ni- nice, well, they say nice guys finish last, but nice people finish last. It's not a, it's not a guy thing. I'm trying to be non-binary <laughs> with, my, with my quotes. It's 2020. <laughs> so with it's 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 nice here in the back of the pack yeah yeah so that again that's kind of like what i was talking about before just in terms of like what the pittsburgh scene is like and why i think it's so nice working in this scene because there isn't like a cool kids club here that you might get in like a a new york or an la or chicago like i mean there might be some people here that think they are a cool kids club. I can maybe name a few people that are a little snotty, but it's like, whatever. It's not like, it'd be like one thing. Like say if I was operating in New York, there might be a cool kids club, but you know, you're never sharing the stage with them. You're not playing at those places. Every time I'm around somebody that hasn't been a lot, but if I'm around somebody in the Pittsburgh music scene that kind of has an attitude, it's like dog, we're all at the smiling moose right now. None of us are cool. It's fine. Just let's just pump the brakes on the ego and let's just try to have a good time. I don't understand like why uh you know there are bands that will go out of their way to like you know load up all their crap into their cars and drive it across town to be miserable for 2 hours. Like why are you going to do this if you don't want to be a part of it? Like I know, sure it sucks, you know, like we're playing a show on a weeknight and maybe there's only 10 people here, but it's like, we're adults. We do what we were getting into. Why are you going to try? You've been playing shows for 15 years. You know, damn well, there's not going to be anybody at Howlers. Well, I mean, there's never going to be anybody at Howlers again. Uh, that's kind of sad. I'm just saying, I mean, I bring it up, but, but you know, real like, hard nowadays. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's like, why? Like, what do people expect? It seems like you all have pretty good heads on your shoulders and you're all pretty positive when it comes to all of these things. But if there was anything that you could change, uh, pretend that COVID-19 wasn't happening. (laughs) But if there was anything else that you could change about the Pittsburgh music scene right now, is there anything that you would want to change? We'll go with Jesse since you, uh, you haven't talked in a bit. I'm thinking about it. Um, Seems like in a weird sort of way, having too many venues seems to be a problem. It seems like there are a lot of shows, which is cool, but it sort of dilutes the pool. Sure. Splits people up. I don't know. And that's like the only thing that, I mean, it's not like a, uh, a cross I would bear or anything like that, but it just seems like, Pittsburgh has a very vibrant, small music community that's very atomized. You know, it's kind of funny. I think that a lot of us kind of shoot ourselves in the foot. Um, And I'm speaking from personal experience as somebody that plays in three bands. I'm not in a unique position as a musician in Pittsburgh that's in more than one band. 
And a lot of us are in multiple bands and it's like, you know, we're like clogging our own pipe in a way, you know, like the, it's like, well, I would love to go see your band play a show, but I have practice with my death metal band this week. And then like, Oh, like, well, you're playing a show on Sunday too. Okay. Well, I have practice with some faith that day. But then it's like, so I'm a problem because I'm in three different bands. And then your band's also a problem because you're playing three or four shows a week in the same city when other bands could use that stage time. There's a whole lot of problems, but there's no like right or wrong answer, really. I feel like, I don't know. Do what makes yeah, you happy. Tricky balancing act, tricky balancing act yeah. between uh, being wanting to be in a band and wanting to be in an audience. It seems mm. like a lot of people want to be in bands rather than audiences, but yeah. we need audiences as well. I think that that's one thing that if I were to say anything else that I think could be an issue that actually it is definitely an issue are a lot of people that book shows and play shows for themselves and are not necessarily thinking about the fact that you are putting a certain responsibility on your shoulders when you step on a stage. You are an entertainer and you have a job to do for your customer. I don't want to call your family or your friends customers, but in a way, you've dragged them out of the house. You owe them a good show. But, you know, a lot of times bands just don't think about that. You know, they'll take forever to set up or they'll start 10 hours late when, you know, Uncle Dino has to be in bed because he works in the morning, you know, like whatever is going on. And just being sensitive to those sorts of things. Also, I think knowing like it takes some time, but after you've played a handful of shows and you kind of understand where your crowd is, like knowing like what your crowd likes and where they like to go and just like the behaviors of your crowd. I think that's something that a lot of bands on like a DIY level don't always think about. It's just like, we're going to play a show and everything's just going to work out. And it's just like, no, it's not. You got to think about these things. I like to uh, think about being in a band as if I like own a restaurant and uh, the songs that we write. Every time we write a new song, it's like we're introducing something new to the menu. And, you know, it has to be similar to the things that we served before, but it has to be new and exciting so we can maybe, you know, get some new people to come in the door that weren't crazy about the things on the menu before, but also, you know, get the people that have been coming forever to bring more people. I feel like that that is something that we've we've had a good experience with. Like, we haven't played that many shows like considering how long we've been together i wish you know there's a part of me that wishes like oh if we'd done twice as many shows and you know then we would have had twice as much fun um, <laughs> and at the same time i feel like all the shows we've done have been really special you know like our first show was opening up for men without hats which is like, that was a bucket list that was great you know and like we did a show at black forge you know and it was really cool because it was all ages and it was a little bit earlier so we got like a totally different group of people in and then you know maybe would typically go to other shows we did you know or we've like opened up for other bands like when we opened for rose of the west like that mr small's fun house that was a, just a really nice show because we're playing we were playing with the emily rogers duo like it was just a good <laughs> group of musicians all together you know i feel like the shows that we've done have all had something kind of neat and special about them and like i don't know i've i've appreciated that i i, I think the thing that's great you know about 
the music that you're doing is that, you know, while you maybe, maybe, you know, in, in a textbook you're doing, you know, like this, you know, darker electronic new wave sort of post-punk sort of this and that eighties inspired sort of thing. But you could really play a show with just about anybody. You're not really stuck. Whereas, you know, like maybe, you know, back in Jesse's grindcore days, he wouldn't have been playing any shows with Emily Rogers. But, you know, it's like, you know, on the surface, it's like, you know, okay, you know, but this might not make sense, but it's still like, this is music that people can actually like hang out and enjoy. It's not too abrasive, even though I love the abrasiveness of it. I think that it's cool to have that accessibility. It gives you a lot more opportunities to play in the city. And I think that if you are a band that could play with a bunch of other different bands, it's a little bit easier for you to play more frequently versus like, you know, uh, the the grindcore band that's just playing with the other four grindcore bands every other week at the Smiling Moose over and over and over again. It's exhausting. And there's definitely those bands that exist. And shout outs to all of them because I don't I've know been how. in those bands before <laughs> playing the same show at Roboto every month. Yeah. The same bands. Yeah. Fun times, but you know, it whenever you're hauling in all that equipment and and straining your muscles playing drums for 10 minutes because that's all you can manage with blast beat yeah to to 10 people and they're all members of the other bands it can get it can wear on you but i mean even with our current shows that we've been playing we haven't had uh any sort of uh we haven't been really blowing the doors out in terms of attendance um but the shows have been fun in their own ways, like Liz said. No, I think that it's 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 huge to keep that mindset going because, like, there again, we've already addressed the fact there's there's been so many venues and so many shows, and I mean, the reality of the situation is it's like when you're just starting, like, people don't care. And it's really hard to get people to care. All you can do is care about what you're doing and put that energy out there into the world so people could be like, what's up with them? They seem like they're having a good time. I want to know what's going on over there. You know, it's like hearing the ice cream truck down the street. You're like, ice cream truck, you know, people run over. They want to get something. And uh, I, I, I think that that's, I think it's it's super, you know, important to stay positive. I hope, you know, we're able to I'll play some shows and stuff sometime soon. We still have to play a show together. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, we had our show booked <laughs> on April 1st and yeah. I had to tell so many of my friends so many times that this is not an April Fools joke. Oh it's, yeah. It's going to happen and then all of a sudden the world ended. So. Yeah, yeah. What can you do? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't. There's nothing that we can do aside I'd from do something. I'd love to do something with that group, though, even if it's just like putting out a, I don't know, a little three song mini release or something like some faith in us and Chantelle. And I think it's such a neat juxtaposition of of different bands. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll have to make that show happen whenever we can. I'm like, I have all of the resources to do like live stream shows, but like. I just like really don't want to is like much as I'm here for technology and the future. I, part of me is just like, I'd rather just wait. 
so we could do it for real because like i don't know if i want to necessarily encourage people staying in the house any longer than they have to (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i i i i like you know there's part of me that's like really worried that's like we start doing all these live shows people will be like "Eh." you know i watched the live stream i'll just wait till the next time they do that you know i kind of want to you want to leave them wanting more and i think that's a big part of the reason why maybe you know me and indigo haven't released anything yet i think part of us is just like we're just kind of like it just doesn't feel right yet Mm -hmm. but i don't know who knows maybe next week we'll get bored and be like oh here's a song because that's the (laughs) other problem too is like the idea was that we were going to play these shows and then put out an album because we have like a dozen songs. But now it's like, well, it seems kind of silly to put out an album. Should we just put out singles? But I'm old school. The idea of singles is bullshit to me. I want a whole album. And I'm so torn because I know like what's better from a promotional standpoint in 2020. But also, you know, do I do what's better for 2020? Or do I just continue to live selfish and make the wrong decision, but do what makes me happy? That's the struggle of an artist, I suppose. I got to say, I've wondered what it's like to have started a band or been in like a, a brand new formed band just before the lockdown hit. Because I think about how awkward it is for, for our band. We've been together for a little over four years now. Um, we, we, came to know each other through the band. We didn't know each other beforehand. And uh, we've learned to work together very well as a band. Uh, so we, we adapted to the social distancing and isolation uh, pretty, pretty easily, especially with you know 2020 technology. If this was happening, if I was dealing with this in 2007 with my punk bands, uh, that would have <laughs> been the end of bands. Yeah. Um, but it's... It makes me wonder, makes me feel kind of bad for, you know, people who seem to uh, uh, miss the boat, so to speak, in terms of doing anything in 2020. Yeah, I'll tell you this. Um, With, I play in in a death metal band and we played a show. It was March 11th. That was the last show I played. So it was like right right in the thick of everything. Cause like, I think it was like that weekend when everybody was like, stop doing everything. You know, yeah. like the, the craziest thing that was happening before that was like fucking Starbucks wouldn't take my reusable cup anymore. They were like, I'm going to get sick. And I'm like, Oh, and then the next thing you know, five days later, it's like, don't leave the house. And I'm like, the world's ending, but I still got <laughs> to play a show in between Starbucks, not taking my reusable cup in the world ending. So I appreciated that. But, um, yeah, uh, with some faith, it felt like. Uh, has everybody here rode a roller coaster, and at one point in time in their life, you know, yeah, how, like, I have. <laughs> like, like, let's say it's like the Steel Phantom, right, Kennywood? You're like, click, 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 and we're going up, going up the thing, and it's like the tr- the car is about to just tip down over that first hill, and we got stuck right before it was about to go down the hill. That's what it. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It was just like we're just so ready. We'd been climbing, going for it. Um, because I mean, like, we next month will be one year since me and Indigo started that project. So like, we started it last August, and then we did nothing but just like write and lock stuff down until like 
you know, February, which was whenever we started agreeing to do shows and stuff. So there was a good like half year of just like complete radio silence, just really working on stuff and like putting a live show together uh, with all the lights and a projector and, you know, getting the, our little outfits together with special little outfits and all our dumb little branding, you know, like we're going to have a show we're all excited about it. And then like, now it's just like, I got this, you know, sick pair of all black overalls sitting in the closet for no good reason that maybe I'll get to wear one day. Maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> You'll wear them someday. Yeah. Yeah. I- I'll have to, I'll have to, I think, I think. Yeah. You, you got to have some faith. Uh, <laughs> so well i gotta say i hope that you do record something soon because i ever since oh, i heard about this band i've been so curious to hear yeah, what I, I will tell you we've been recording the past few weeks we are we have like two songs mastered and done will you sneak me something we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk later we'll talk later stick together yeah, we're like really, really, yeah, yeah, I do think, yeah, we should definitely stick together uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I think that's where we're trying to, that's why I was talking about, you know, should we just start putting some of this stuff out or do we sit on it? Like, I just don't know what to do yet. It just feels so weird now to like release music, but not be playing shows, but nobody's playing shows. And a lot of people were spending a lot of time on their phones. So arguably it may be the best time to put something out. I know I'm listening to a lot more music. Like I'm doing a lot more just like careful listening than I was before this. You mentioned a little bit ago that you have some new stuff on the horizon. Can I get Mm -hmm. some more details regarding these juicy new take me with you songs? Anybody, Leslie. (laughs) Um, I don't know how much I'm trying to like, Okay. Um, Kill the beans. It's okay. I would. I would say uh, the the new song that we have out was kind of also kind of a B side release that's gonna come out with it um, as a single. Um, I I love this song. It's called. Am I allowed to say what it's called? Hey, it's called Stranger. I just want to make sure because you know it's called Stranger. Um, Jesse actually came to practice one day with this like really cool sounding thing. And he was like, Hey, what do you think about this? And we were just all like drooling. Cause it was so cool. Then, you know, Liz made the lyrics and it's, you know, about don't the like main hook is like, don't be a stranger. Not now. And it's, it ties in so well with social distancing. It's almost like the universe playing a trick on us. I feel like, um kind of this aesthetic of like looking out the window and seeing someone that you can't really interact with and so i think that's part of the reason why we are wanting to release this now ish because it has you know even though we had no idea that what was coming whenever we started working on it it just has been kind of a narrative of the times and the the music video we're making along with it will also kind of reflect that. Um, anything else to add, guys? No, I just agree. It's funny that we, we started writing it in like the fall of last year because it really, it, 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 it sort of takes on a whole new meaning now. Yeah, we're, we're also making a music video for it and trying to capture the sort of new meaning that 
that stranger has taken on in the wake of COVID-19. Um, but it's, it's also very exciting because it's our first new output as a four piece. We did our first album as a five piece. And, uh, Afterwards, we decided that we worked better, more efficiently as a four-piece and had to sort of go through another period of learning how to do our music over again with uh, reduced personnel. But this, uh, this is all brand new material that we've written, just the four of us, and, and I'm really excited to uh, share it with people. Is there any... Uh like specific time frame on the horizon or are we just playing it loose right now it'll happen when it happens we keep setting dates and then <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're moving along um we just we're more focused on having the complete package rather than meeting a deadline sure i think that honestly our band has gone through like several sorts of false starts between like member changes, not being able to keep a keyboardist for a while, not having a keyboardist for a long time. And then, uh, member changes and relearning how to do our songs. We went into 2020 with the goal of, you know, getting on as many fests as possible, trying to be more public because we've saw it as our, opportunity that has finally arrived to be an active publicly existing band for a continuous amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then well, 2020 became what it is. Yeah. So <laughs> this pushed everything back, but you know, 2021 is looking good. I think that again, we, I said it before. I think it's great that you're all still, you know, working and doing what you can for the project, even being socially distant. You're doing things that are very productive for the future of the band. And it's awesome to see that. I think that that's one of the great things about the technology that we have is that you're able to work together and have your meetings and work stuff out and we can have this chat and I'm going to put this up on the internet next week. And a lot of people might watch it and, you know, we're still networking and we're still doing positive things for our art even though you know things aren't necessarily in our favor right now we're still you know perseverance it's great the diy spirit is alive and well <laughs> with everything else uh it's this is every episode that i've recorded in the past three months this has been my least favorite part because this is usually when you know okay you got some music coming out you got any shows coming up you know but there's nothing to talk about so it's just very like oh you know it's that 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 hard little slap in the face of reality of what we're dealing with so before we wrap this all up i kind of want to do a quick round table with everybody regarding any hobbies that you've been doing, not music related, to help in the pandemic? I'll start. I got back to drawing again. I used to draw a lot, visual arts. I hadn't done anything in a very long time, in a, in a few years, a couple years, I'd say. But I've almost completed three big pieces since I've been in lockdown, and I feel good about it. So that's what I've done. Leslie, what have you been up to? Um, 
I, I guess I've been doing a lot of going out and hiking. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time in the forest. Um, and also right before COVID struck, I started going to take Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes. Wow. And recently that reopened up, you know, for better or for worse, but I'm going to that now again. And that's, and that's fun. That's so like learning how to like break people's arms. That's kind of my hobby right now. That rules. That's <laughs> awesome. That's no, I think that, uh, you know, the, exercise is great uh the discipline is good the the self-confidence that you may it seems like you're already a pretty confident go-getter but you'll just have more of that now and uh hey you can never have too much of that i think that's great jesse what have you been up to video games mm. just been playing video games i've been playing uh role-playing games is the sort of like an all-in-one package of watching a movie, reading a book, and playing something entertaining. Bro, we're the same age. You don't got to talk to me about role-playing games. I'm doing it for the audience. Yeah, we're, 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 birds, gonna have we're some, birds of a feather over here. I'll tell you that. Other boomers watching <laughs> it. I just want to be inclusive. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. That's very thoughtful of you. All right, Thomas, you know it's your turn. What have you been doing? Oh... Uh, I think a lot of people have been at home, like on the uh, social media. So what uh, I started like recording old demos, like stuff, like people I've been in bands with, like, it's like, Hey, it's our 30, it's a 30th anniversary for this demo tape, you know, stuff like that. Getting videos of things we did and putting them up on YouTube, have a little uh, like old school group. So basically, uh, yeah. Like, putting stuff on the internet that wasn't there before. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's you're contributing to arts and culture. And 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 you're being a bit of a historian, you know, for for exactly. you and your friends. Yeah, it's like local history too. Yeah, that stuff's important. You're going to be very thankful in 5 to 10 years whenever you're like, "Hey, I have this now." And that's great. There's so much stuff from when uh maybe I was like, you know, in my teens and we had computers, but not like we have computers now and like dumb little songs that me and my friends made that I wish were actually recorded. They just never existed. You know, there might, there I'm sure somebody has like a waterlogged cassette tape that was dubbed somewhere, but you know, it's gone forever. It's gone. I'm never going to hear that stuff again. Mm. Yeah, it's sad. I'm sure it was all garbage anyways, but it'd be nice <laughs> to hear it. Yeah. Liz, what have you been doing? I don't I'm bad at hobbies. I like I I do music and I hang out with my friends these days mostly virtually and I'm just a huge work nerd. Um I like so mostly I've just been going much deeper into my research. I teach psychology at Duquesne and I do my, I'm doing a research project right now on autism and furries. So basically people who are like in the furry community and on the autism spectrum and sort of what, wow. what draws them to participate. So that's been wow. so much fun. Every year at AnthroCon, I do interviews, I do focus groups, I get all this data. And it's so fun to do the interviews that yeah. like, I haven't had time to actually sit down and analyze them and write them up. So 
that's a lot of what I've been doing is just going through these interview transcripts and figuring out what I'm going to write about because it's just so fun. That's that's you really threw me for a curveball there. <laughs> but no, I think that's great. I think that, no, that's 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 that rules. I think that I don't even know what to say about that. You'll I'll just have to keep in the loop with that. I want to, you know, I'm you actually about. believe that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it was real. <laughs> I totally believed it. It felt very yeah. genuine. Half of our half of our band are teachers, and half of our band are punks. <laughs> Yin and Yang. It's great. It's important balance. The teacher half is the half that drinks. <laughs> there, there is actually vodka in this. I spiked the seltzer. Um. <laughs> I should plug my book. I have a book coming out tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. This is, this, this is what I do when I'm not doing music. It's called Living on the Spectrum. Um, and it's about people on the autism spectrum. It's about young people on the spectrum kind of figuring out their identity and figuring out what does it mean to, to be on the autism spectrum? What is, what is autism? You know, people talk about it like a disease. People talk about it like an identity, like a cultural difference, like a minority status. Um, and it's about young people who are just trying to make their way in all the controversy and, and figure out what it is to them. Also, role-playing games. <laughs> Turns out role-playing games are very important for this process. <laughs> wow. That, I feel like there's a, a potential whole other can of worms that we could get into regarding oh. all of that. And maybe someday in the future, if you would ever be curious, I would love to talk with you more about that because sure. I'm actually really curious and I will, you know... I'll I'll try to not swear so much and we can have a bit more of a, you know, a bit more of a kind academic conversation because oh, no, I'm curious. I, I, I swear, think swearing awesome. is good, I guess. Okay. All right. Fuck yeah. Thank <laughs> you. <for> my rep. <laughs> so with all that being said, I think I'm going to wrap this all up. Uh, one more time, I do want to, you know, um, I have your Facebook page up here. So if anybody is still kind of hanging out that isn't already friends or family with you, check them out. They're on facebook.com, the website at TMWY band. Do you have like an Instagram or a Twitter or a TikTok or a Snapchat or any of that stuff? Yeah. The Instagram is also TMWY band. Cool. And you got that old music, that, that old music that you put out a whole year ago. Isn't that so funny? Like you remember one, like putting out, you could like put out an album five years ago and it was still your new album, but now if it's like five weeks old, it's like ancient it's dinosaur dust. <laughs> All right. But yeah, but, so there is some new music on the horizon, but until then you can check out a building a dreaming over on the bandcamp.com website. I have that pulled up right here. It's very bright. I don't know if you can tell my face got really bright when I pulled that up, but anyways, <laughs> With all of that being said, I think I'm going to do an outro. And uh, I just want to thank you all for taking the time. It's been lovely. Thank Thanks. you. It's been really fun. Thank you. You got it. So thank you. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. Thomas, Liz, Leslie, Jesse, take me with you. The one and only. Thanks for being here. And there's a friend. Who's that friend? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Who Otto. is that friend? Otto. Otto. All right. Well, I'm going to do my outro again, and we're going to shout out to Otto. 
And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. One more time. Thomas, Liz, Leslie, Jesse, Otto, take me with you and company. Thank you so much. I'll be back again in a couple days with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2020. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we are done. That is a podcast, my friends. World exclusive. World, world, world <laughs> exclusive. We did it. So... Hey. Thank you all so much.